It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. And welcome back with another episode of the Fantasy Points Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. I am joined by my good friend and CEO of Fantasy Points, Scott Barrett. We are down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. What's up, Scott? What's up, Brett? Yeah, uh, join you guys a little late. I guess replacing Joe, <laughs> who had to leave a little early. I, I drove in from Austin, Texas to Mobile, Alabama yesterday, spent like 13 hours total in the car, but uh, happy to be here. We got to watch the senior bowl practice with you today uh, and good buddy, Danny Kelly, uh, some other friends for me, mostly today, I feel like was like a networking thing, a lot of schmoozing and BSing and, and, and chatting, but uh, you had your eyes glued to the, the field the entire time. And, you know, you came away with some good fantasy relevant takeaways. I will say, Scott, that the the networking component of the event is like an underrated part of it. Like, it is fun just to come be with the boys, talk ball. You know, even if you're kind of goofing off a little bit, it's fun. It is fun. It's a good. It's a good time to network, get to know some people, and like, I've developed countless relationships now that you know, I people I met down here at the Senior Bowl. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, and tonight's going to be even better. Yeah. I, I forgot to tell you, but uh, an unnamed GM uh, invited us out to the strip club tonight. Okay. AFC um, East. That's all I'll say. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Oh, all right. Well, let's let's dive in. Um, Scott, I know like you want to pick my brain on the players, but like I kind of want to pick your brain for a second. Because mm-hmm. like you come in, you have such a unique take on everything. You're definitely more of a numbers analytics guy, but you still have eyeballs. And just what is the experience like for you as a guy who's not really like trained? to watch football necessarily other than what you know you and I talk about like I just want to know like what's it like for you to come in sit down like I feel like for whatever reason fantasy guys have a knack sometimes like it's as simple as what your eyes tell you is true it's like you know I don't need player takes but like what is the experience like for you yeah well you know I like to stick to what my strength is and that's clearly data analysis and, and research and and I mean, we've watched a lot of tape together and, yeah. you know, I've had good opinions, good observations, good questions, but I mean, like that's clearly your expertise. And so like, it's just so much easier for me to just let you shine or just uh, sit over your shoulder or on a zoom call and, and watch you watch tape and point things out to me. Whereas I'll, you know, bring up questions as it relates to data or provide more context as it relates to data for my own opinions. Um, and so just, you know, for practices, you know, I'll have some, you know, I feel like basic observations, but, uh, you know, I, I really wouldn't trust my opinion as much <laughs> as I trust yours when it comes to watching players on the field. Well, I think where you provide a tremendous amount of value is because your perspective is so different because you're not coming from the football background necessarily is like, well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. When you, well, it's like, also, I don't watch any college football. Like I yeah, don't have yeah. time. I'm grinding NFL DFS. And, and so like, I do come at it with fresh eyes and I'll ask yeah. quite like, Hey, why is this, why is tank Bigsby like a, a considered a, a day yeah. two pick? Like did, that, 
data says he stinks and the film wasn't good. That's what I was going to say. It's like your, mm. your ability to ask questions is like, you always challenge whatever my opinion is not because you don't agree. It's like, I want to get into your brain and figure it out. Well, what's cool about that is well, like, I do that because that's how I learn. So, well, and, and to me, you know how I learn is defending my opinion. Right. Right. It helps. Both so, like, it's like you, you challenge me and I'm like, I got to really now think through and process. Okay. Do I have any biases? Go reback, go through all my thoughts, my notes. And then, if I still feel the same way I do afterwards, and I actually end up feeling better about the guy usually, and then sometimes you you push me off of a guy where I'm, I'd previously you know liked. So my my first job out of college, uh, I, we got to hang out with the CEO for a day, and it was like this was a company with like I don't know a five hundred million dollar market cap, something like big company, big CEO. The CEO was a really interesting guy. He was a bouncer until he was like 27 and now he's the CEO of this company. And so someone asked a question is like, what do you credit your success to? And he said, being unafraid to ask dumb questions because, you know, like that's how I learned. And oh, so awesome. often I'm in the boardroom like, Oh, I, you know, thanks for asking that question. I want to ask it, but I'm too. And so like with you, I ask so many dumb questions all the time, but it's like, it helps me get smarter. And like you, you find a benefit to it as well. It's like, yeah, Oh, I don't know why no one's asked me that, but you you know, now that you bring that up, that's a good question. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially because like when you're really trying to scout players, you get into what I call scout speak. You know, you learn all these terms and these cliches little, little and cliches you're looking for in a guy. And then sometimes when you've been I've been doing this now for I've scouted after it's like some things you really care about actually don't matter as much as you think they do. And it sometimes it takes guys like you to challenge that to like figure that out. Anyways. <laughs> All that aside, let's dive into some some players here. So so coming in a, a day late to the senior bowl, kind of asking around, talking to, you know, really sharp people who are here. Uh one of the big biggest takeaways I think is uh this might be this might be white boy summer. <laughs> Apparently a lot of in a in, in a draft in a draft class that has maybe the best cornerback in the class is a white boy, best white corner potentially since Jason Seahorn, or maybe the only one who's not here. Um, star of the show at, at running back, or at least surprise star of the show is a white guy. And then like three white wide receivers who could go round two. Uh, and I think that's been a big surprise. There's three white running backs and three white receivers here. And they're all like stars of the senior bowl, apparently. Yeah, I mean, most of them. Yeah, it's, it is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, that, that, that's the Dylan Laub kid was the one that really kind of surprised everybody. The New Hampshire running back, Joe and I briefly talked about him yesterday. And just so the listeners know, when we got off that podcast, Joe and I watched some Laub, Laube, is it Laube or Laube tape? And the first game we put on, dude had 12 receptions for 295 yards and two touchdowns as a running back. So that was like really impressive. I definitely kept an eye on him all day today, just trying to get a feel for his game. I would say this guy is like big Danny Woodhead. Like, wow. unfortunately, like Danny Danny Kelly actually was the comp, the guy who gave me that comp. Oh, well, he's big, the king of comps. Yeah, he's the king of comps for sure. And so I saw it right away. And unfortunately, you don't want to comp a white guy to another white guy. You know, it's, it's kind of lazy. But it is true. That's what he is. He's basically a, a slot receiver that can also play running back. He's like somewhere between Rex Burkhead and and Danny Woodhead on that spectrum. And I remember that's huge for fantasy, like in a PPR league for a running back, a target is worth 2.5 times as much as a carry. So that can be such a cheat code. Yeah. You're a guy who can get, you know, four to six targets per game, plus at least 12 carries per game. You're, you're talking about really rare and really valuable usage. Yep. Then the other white running back, we got Schrader. 
uh, the Missouri running back. He led the SEC in rushing yards this year, Scott. Wow. Yes. And he's here. I mean, he he was, I think, a late-ish ad. I don't know that he was an initial invite, but um, he looks really good running the ball. I would say he, he definitely is deficient in the pass game, though. A little rough in pass pro. Not the smoothest route runner in the world. Doesn't have natural hands like you'd like to see for a guy who led the SEC in rushing yards because you're hoping that guy's a fantasy stud one day. I, I'm not sure he'll get the draft capital investment that it's going to require for him to be a fantasy stud, but um, semi-impressive dude for sure. Well, yeah, Dylan Lauby was a bit of a surprise. Like no one was talking about him. He might've been a late addition to the senior bowl roster. Uh, who do you think is, you know, coming out of this probably going to be considered the top running back at the senior bowl, or at least heading into it was the presumptive favorite. So there, there's two that really stand out. Um, you know, the I guess Marshawn Lloyd is the one probably most people are talking about, the USC running back. Yeah, I've heard his name quite a few times. Yeah, a lot of people like him. Yep, he's uh, he's fantastic. He's he's really, really good. He was my number two running back coming into the week. Um, love, love his game. He's got a jump cut that's just ridiculous. He put that on display yesterday, did it again today. You're seeing a lot more of his game translate to the passing world, though, which I think is like – uh, he he's growing on me a lot because I think he's more valuable than I initially thought he was even um, like he looks like a really, really natural receiver and he didn't get a lot of opportunity at USC to be a receiver. Um, kind of reminds me like Rashad White was a was a good example of this. He came down to the senior bowl, not a lot of volume in the past game at Arizona State. I think that's where he was and then came here and just tore it up in the, in the receiving drills all week long. Sure enough, he's in Tampa Bay. That's probably the best thing that he does is catch the football yards after catch. You know, he's, he's, he's a weapon that way. Not a, not a great runner, but really effective in the past game. And I think Marshawn Lloyd has kind of taken that leap where he's a really effective runner, but also adding the, the receiving chops to his resume. He is also very good at pass pro, by the way. That's on his college tape. Um, that's mostly how he was used in the past game, actually. So. A running back I'm really excited about. Uh, didn't watch too much of him today, but just really excited about him because, you know, like everyone has a type, right? Mm -hmm. Some like him tall or short or skinny. I like him thick. Oh, yeah. I like him thick with four C's when it comes to running backs because something diving into the analytics that seems to be really predictive is BMI or better than BMI is pounds per square inch. <laughs> and Ray Davis is one of the thickest, one of the densest running backs uh, we've seen in quite some time. Uh, five foot eight, 220 pounds. Yeah. This guy's thick. He's a fire hydrant. When I said there was two guys, he's the other one. He actually is my RB1 coming into the week. Him and Lloyd are kind of in a battle to remain in that spot. I think his effectiveness in the past game puts him above Lloyd for me right now. And I know I just said Lloyd looks great in the past game, but Davis is a legitimate mismatch weapon like Kentucky used him that way whenever they needed a big third down or a red zone they were scheming up throws to Ray Davis I'm not talking a screen pass or a Texas route I'm talking like legitimate downfield we're gonna get you open 20 yards downfield and score that way um, really impressive stuff especially for a guy who's 5'8 220 like his receiving chops for that size are are just unparalleled it, it's really cool he actually reminds me of like a thick DeAndre Swift with really good hands Swift's hands are garbage but um like DeAndre Swift is 5'8", like 212, and kind of has that real, those real thick thighs. Ray Davis is built very similar to, to, to Swift, just a little bit heavier, and he moves just like Swift. Who is the short, really thick Falcons running back? Racked up a couple thousand yard seasons. Oh, God. Uh, not Jamal Anderson. Like, no. No, okay, not that far back. How no. far back? 
Am I thinking of Warwick Dunn? No. Oh, yeah, Warwick Dunn. Okay. That's, yeah. That was the other guy I mentioned to, yeah, to yeah, John yeah, Hansen okay. today. He's like, who does he remind me of? I said, I don't know, some combo of Warwick Dunn and DeAndre Swift. Like, he's in that realm. He's thicker than both of them, though. Um, but, yeah, Dave Davis is a freaking baller. I, I absolutely love his game. All right, so before we move on to wide receivers, I guess we should talk about quarterbacks and maybe briefly touch on tight ends. It's sort of a weak senior bowl for, for tight ends. But, uh, yeah, the quarterback position um, – Obviously, you got to start at the top with Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, two players who could sneak into uh, the back end of round one. Uh, you have – oh, is that a hot oh, take? No, I'm laughing because you said sneak into the back end of round one, and that's kind of – I feel like that's me talking. Because oh, I think consensus okay. is still right. that those guys will be round one picks. Okay, go ahead. You know? Yeah, so that that's all. Like, I, I don't think they're quite there personally, so – um, they are the cream of the crop of this senior bowl and probably the best senior bowl quarterbacks we've had in gosh, since the Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert year. Like that year was awesome. We've really, really rough quarterback groups since then. So it is refreshing, although both those guys played like cheeks today. Now, big caveat being the senior bowl is not designed for quarterbacks to perform well in practice. For them, it's more of the teams and getting to know the GMs and the scouts that really matter to them. Ultimately, you know, they're playing with all new skill players. There's no timing down there. It's a new playbook, new terminology. It's a lot to put on the, the QB shoulders for this week. So when guys do play well, it's like a real, you know, feather in the cap of like their their ability to, to adjust on the fly. It's not really an expectation, though, that they play super well this week. So I want to throw that caveat in there. That said, they, they both played really bad today. Yeah, kind of every quarterback struggled today, but it's also like they weren't really given opportunities to show out. You know, most of their throws were seven yards or shorter downfield. Yeah. I think it's the timing aspect. Like a lot of guys, you're just not comfortable pushing the ball downfield to a receiver you've never thrown to. Right. Who's now getting covered, you know, usually a, a safety and a corner involved. It's like, you don't trust it. I know uh, Spencer Rattler tried to twice yesterday. Both pa passes were errant. One was almost picked off. It's not like a horrible decision issue. It's more of like a timing issue. And so, and then today, same thing. I think Pratt was the guy who tried to do it today and almost threw a pick, and it, it is what it is. Uh, Sam Hartman was there also on the national roster, and like not knowing too much about him other than he played in college for like 10 years. Uh, Joe said, Joe Dolan said, uh, it was like a very loopy delivery. And yeah, to me, it just seemed like a very amateurish delivery where it's like I'm surprised he was even – like managed to get an invite. Like you're in college for X amount of years. You, you can't clean that up. It looked almost like maybe I'm being too hard on him, but like that meme, you know, like the meme video of like from the CW show, the guy, yeah. the actor who doesn't know how to play quarterback uh, that, that looked rough to me. The, the ball, you know, lacked velocity. The delivery seemed amateurish. Yeah. Hartman Hartman, you know, he's here because 16,000 career passing yards in college, almost 60 starts. Um, I mean, the dude has ton, like 2,500 dropbacks, tons of college experience. It's like, he's like, like it's similar to Brock Purdy's story. That was Brock Purdy's whole deal. Right. Four-year starter. You know, he checks all those Bill Parcells boxes, team captain, yada, yada, yada. He'll get drafted. He'll probably get drafted in like the fourth round, um, depending on where he goes. He could even play next year. I mean, I don't know anything. I'm not a tape guy, but to me, it really seemed like he didn't belong. Um, I don't disagree, by the way. Okay. Well, then on, on the American side uh, roster, uh, you have Joe Milton, which just like insane, <laughs> insane arm talent. And uh, Spencer Rattler, who was like a thing a number of years ago. Debbie people were super excited about. 
you want to speak on either of those quarterbacks? Yeah, so Milton's your built-in-the-lab guy. You know, if you were like, give me give me Cam Newton 2.0, like you're building Joe Milton. Like, he's huge. Does rock he have the arm. mobility? Yeah, yeah. He, oh, wow. I mean, well, he's not. Cam he doesn't Newton. he doesn't run like Cam Newton, but he, he probably could if he wanted to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um big. He's like 6'5, 240 pounds, rocket ship arm, like just one of just the strongest the arms we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean it's insane. Like he, he I think he threw a pass 80 miles an hour today, which is wild. And on tape, he has like 75 yard yeah, throws. There's YouTube videos of him throwing goal line to goal line. Insane. Yeah. Insane. So you can see a team taking a chance just based on oh, that. 100%. Hope, you know, you have the right coaching behind him. Um, who was the other guy you mentioned? It was uh, Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Rattler. You know, he's another one, just really good arm talent. It just he hasn't really put it all together. Now, I, I will say for him, he has developed over the years. Like his second year at Oklahoma as a starter there, it was rough. Completely wheels fell completely off. Transferred to South Carolina, it was a slow grind. But he did get better every year there, and so I think he's probably playing his best football right now. I just don't know that it's enough for me to get excited about. I've heard from other sources. I think Adam Kaplan told me today he knows there's a couple teams with first round grades on him, which is wild to me. Um, he's a he's a mid to late day two guy for me probably. And then once you're in that range, you might as well wait till day three. So Spencer Rattler, teams have round one grades on him. That I was told, yeah. So yeah, one of the insiders told me that today. I maybe shouldn't have said Adam's name because it might not have been him. Okay. So, right. but one of like a trusted source did tell me that. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's wild. Uh, would be a big surprise, I guess, from what I'm hearing among the NFL mock draft cognoscenti. Uh, so just note that as we segue into wide receivers, that again, quarterback play has been yeah. very suspect, very questionable. And again, not a lot of intermediate to deep throws. Um, but I remember last year watching with you and uh, Tank Dell was one of the stars of of the Senior Bowl. Jaden yep. Reed is one of the stars of the Senior Bowl. Rashi Rice. Rashi Rice. Um, Michael Wilson. I know he he didn't have the best rookie season, but uh, he would have won my vote. Uh, he was just destroying DBs one on one nonstop. Uh, I think he was the runner up for practice player of the week as well. So I wasn't the only one who felt that way. Um, is there a player like that this year from this year's Senior Bowl who yeah. is? Yeah, so every year, you know, go back to 2019, like I, I, every year I fall in love with the wide receiver here. It's like clockwork, and I'm, I, I hate to say it, but I'm right most of the time. Last year it was who? Puka Nakua. Oh, okay. And the she, year before that, Christian Watson. Yep, and the year before that it was, I can look, Josh Palmer? Hold on. Probably Josh Palmer. Christian Watson, Josh Palmer, Michael Pittman Jr. the year before oh, that, okay. and Terry McLaurin the year before that. Nice. And by the way, when Terry McLaurin was at the Senior Bowl, he was coming off of a fifth-year senior year where he barely – like he didn't go over 1,000 yards, nothing crazy, and all of his production was jet sweeps and screens and, and the occasional go ball, right? Nobody thought Terry McLaurin was going to come to the Senior Bowl and tear it up, and the guy annihilated everybody, all practice, every practice – um, so point being every year, I find a guy I absolutely lock my eyes on Love what I see this year. That guy is Florida wide receiver, Ricky Purcell. I, I have a man crush on this dude. Well, you were telling me about him before the senior bowl. You were just yes. like, this is my guy. I love him. And yeah. your track record, especially with wide receivers is so insane. And honestly, I think like best in the industry by a wide margin, it's just like, I have so many stacked dynasty teams just because you're like this wide receiver draft him late. 
And so, yeah, my ears perked up and I actually went and watched a little bit on, on tape. He has one of the sickest catches I've ever seen over the middle of the field, takes a brutal hit, holds on to the ball. Um, it's the OBJ catch, except instead of falling into an end zone, he's literally getting drilled by a safety. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Jinx. Um, he also gets open nonstop. But the thing to me is like, and again, you know, I'm not the tape expert. I'm the guy here to ask dumb questions. And I'm sure there's people at home who are like thankful for that because you'll learn something too is he seemed to be getting open constantly on film, but it wasn't like he was doing anything rare or anything unique. Is it, is he, is that just like route running polish? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's just a really easy mover. He makes hard things look simple. Mm. You know, he's a phenomenal route runner, like legitimately phenomenal. I think the production at Florida could have been better. Their quarterback, like Sir Richardson was last year. Purcell missed a chunk of that season. He was by far their best receiver on the field when he played. And then this year, same thing, like, you know, really suspect quarterback play all year. And he still hit like, I think almost a thousand yards, you know, six touchdowns or something like that was, was very productive considering the circumstances this year. Um, But yeah, he, that, that's the easiest way to summarize him. He makes hard things look simple. Love players like that. And that's good. Yeah. Ideally, uh, some PPR cheat code upside to his game, you would say? Yeah, he's, I mean, perfect build. 6'1", 195. He could play outside, play inside. I think, you know, for, for the fantasy aspect, like you probably want him to play in the slot 40, 50% of the time. Kind of like an Amon Ra level workload where, you know, in two receiver sets, we're comfortable getting him on the outside and he can win on the outside. Verti- you know, he can stack guys vertically and, and win that way. But ultimately... You know, he's so good in the short area quickness, intermediate part of the field. You want him working out of the slot and dominating the middle. Is that a good, uh, like, fantasy upside comp, Amon Ra? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to do that because, like, Amon Ra is a fourth-round pick, lands in the ideal situation, ends up being a fantasy god. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, um, like, an upside pick yeah, to give you that sure, kind of out. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so you're talking, like, ceiling. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, uh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. PPR yeah. cheat code. Yeah, kinda... P- PPR cheat code. Good after know. the catch. Yeah, great after the catch. I don't know that he'll ever be like a, a touchdown, you know, demon. Unless he really gets to the team that trusts him in the red zone. A lot of those shiftier slot guys just don't do well in the red zone for whatever reason. You know, because we're still stuck in let's throw fade routes and, you know, and, and backline digs to big monsters. That's kind of what we do in the NFL still. So, anyways. Uh, so, the other wide receiver I want to talk about is uh, a player who, like, is in a lot of – you know, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler's top 50s. Uh, some people are saying could sneak into round one or be one of the first picks in round two. Um, Joe told me this. I thought it was hilarious. There are only two players in the history, uh, two people in the history of the world with the last name McConkie, <laughs> and they're both white wide receivers and they're unrelated somehow. That's Lad McConkie, a good, a good lad, as John would say. Um, are you as high on, on McConkie as you think, uh, you know, these people have who have him in their top 50? Yeah. So coming into the week, he, he did come into the week as my wide receiver one that was here. Okay. Not, not in the draft. Sorry. <laughs> Se- Marvin Se- Harrison Jr. Okay. Senior bowl wide Damn, receiver yeah. one. Um, I do think when we leave personal will be my, my number one, but McConkie's still great. He had a really, really good day yesterday. And Joe and I hit that pretty strong today was not as good. Um, I really felt like the coaching staff of that team decided, you know, we, we want to go out of our way to put him in uncomfortable situations. We're going to get physical corners on him. And he didn't seem to do well with the physicality. Like 
uh, I, I was joking. He had that one rep where he tried juking the corner like five times before he got into his stem. That just doesn't work in the NFL. You literally like that's Deontay Johnson. Like when when Deontay Johnson's struggling, that's what he's doing. He's overthinking it. He's trying to set you up. You're not falling for it. And for a guy like Lad, who doesn't seem to like the physical part of it, like he's gonna have to get more decisive with the with that release game and that stem package. It's all good. Like it's it's a slight knock. It's a nuanced knock on what I saw today and why maybe he struggled today versus yesterday. But I still think he's a great player. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a reason. Pretty much everyone has him in their top fifty right now. Is he a slot wide receiver? You think? He, he's another one like personal. He can play anywhere. Like he, he played a lot of outside at Georgia. I think naturally some NFL teams will have him as a slot guy, but he, he should play a combo role for sure. Yeah. So the spectrum is outside Jordy Nelson inside, you know, Julian Edelman, Brian Hartline, Hunter Renfro, Cooper yeah. cup. I think he, he give me an upside fantasy comp for him. An upside fantasy. Like, comp? like you just did for Amon Ron. Um, boy um like assuming he goes to the right spot everything works out well for him who could he be not who is who is he now oh i'm trying not to do white guys what about michael pittman oh, no Jr.? just do a white guy if it no, works it works yeah i think you nailed it with jordy possibly jordy really I, he's the, i don't think he yeah. quite has jordy's straight line speed jordy was a, a fast dude i mean jordy might be one of one of one i remember greg yeah. cassell's comp for alec pierce was jordy nelson and so like oh. maybe we just retire the jordy comp yeah because at least with edelman there's like edelman-esque players who exist but so the reason i'm reluctant with edelman is edelman was so elite in the short part of the field yeah. i don't know that mcconkey's there i also think mcconkey has more vertical juice than edelman ever had so wow, like okay all right yeah but he probably doesn't have as much vertical juice as is uh as nelson so he's like somewhere between an edelman and a nelson um he's got the more of nelson's body type though Okay. I think he's close to six two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, sneaky athletic. I keep hearing that he's going to surprise a lot of people at the combine. Yeah. And by the way, I lied. He's five <laughs> <Nice>. eleven. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about a, a, a wide receiver who's much taller than five eleven, and maybe he's not even a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Wilson. What are the measurements on him? Six six two forty seven. And so a lot of people think, oh, that's awesome. He's he's a wide receiver and he's gigantic. So he's like Calvin Johnson, right? Or is that a bad thing? And he's like too big for the position. Yeah. I you know, you don't I don't want to crush the kid. Like I don't want to sit here and say he can't do it. He he's has an opportunity to prove me wrong, obviously. But I do think he's about there. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a like everyone knew DK was stiff, DK Metcalf. This is a different level of it's just it's an anatomical limitation. He's six six, almost two hundred and fifty pounds. It's like when you watch him trying to run receiver level outside routes against cornerbacks. It's like trying to stop a semi truck, and the the deceleration aspect, the the speed turns on some of the you know out routes he's going to have to run on the outside, um, some of the dig routes. Like he just can't really do it at the level needed to be consistent at the nfl level sure is there corners he could bully in the nfl absolutely and and like and he's still even if he plays tight end he might get those looks because you'll put him out there and you'll use him that way but down in down out i don't think he has the the lateral movement skills to to play wide receiver in the nfl 
And I, and I think like I I like the guy though. His skill set's very attractive. I mean, you saw him. T- he had a much better day today, by the way, than he did yesterday. Maybe he listened to the pod yesterday and wanted to go out there and prove us wrong, Scott. But like you know, that vertical receiving ability, his you know over the middle of the field, all that stuff's great. And he's going to get more opportunity to do that as a tight end than he will as a wide receiver. Yeah. So what about his potential as a tight end? Because that's exactly what you want to see. You know, like what is a, a mediocre wide receiver worth in fantasy? Not much. What is like a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end with Darren tight Waller. end? Yeah, exactly. Darren like, Waller was the last guy that did this. He was huge. Like, he- well, uh, Logan Thomas, R- Robert Tunyon, two players who like kind of unfortunate injuries, but were in that sort of fantasy yeah, they, cheat code. Those guys weren't. It, well, so Logan was a very elite guy. Tunyon wasn't close to the level of athleticism that Johnny Wilson is. Like Wilson is on that Waller spectrum of, I think. I think. Well, these are both converts, only entirely due to hyper athleticism. But when so the the here's the difference: when Tunyon converted from wide receiver to tight end, he was still kind of wide receiver size. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the movement skills at wide receiver size. That's why he converted. So he had to put on like twenty pounds. Yeah. When he put on those twenty pounds, he lost a lot of athleticism. Johnny Wilson needs to put on five pounds. Mm. So he's going to maintain that explosiveness, that above the rim ability, the the lateral quickness he does have, which is probably good for a tight end, bad for a receiver. He'll maintain all of that as a convert, similar to how Logan Logan Thomas did and Darren Waller did. Like Darren Waller was a wide receiver that converted yeah. to tight end, you know. So like that's my comp for him though, is if you're asking, is Darren Waller. Like I think he could be that level of mismatch weapon. So so fantasy uh for fantasy tight ends, it's really predictive. One thing that matters like even more than uh, college production to a large degree is just weight adjusted for you. You yeah. want uh, tight ends who are big and fast. Yep. And if a wide receiver is re- big enough and fast enough, could make an elite tight end. So I- I'm with you. I really like the upside there. But you were kind of saying he might just be a tweener. Yeah, could be. I the, in A small anecdote all I'll use is last year there was a guy guy by the name of uh, Elijah Higgins, Stanford wide receiver, Michael Wilson's teammate, actually. They were like a dynamic duo there at Stanford. The first rep I saw of him running a route, I said, that guy's a tight end, not a wide receiver. Sure enough, I don't. he wasn't – was he like a seventh-round pick by the Dolphins? Something like that. Sure enough, though, the Dolphins draft him. First thing they do is they they announce him as a tight end. Like they, they fully intend on moving the tight end. I kind of feel like that might be how it goes down this year. Well, Wilson will cling to the wide receiver tag as long as possible. And then the hopefully the right team picks him up and moves him to tight end, and it's a it's a seamless transition, and he has a great career. Well, you're saying he had like narrow hips, like his hips were too narrow. I do. For- I am a little concerned about that. He's very his base is super narrow. I'm not sure, you know, he'll ever have that wide blocking stance you want. But you know what? Like Waller- you don't want that for fantasy. You 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 want well you you want like George Kittle and Rob Gronkowski, like they made that work, but typically you want tight ends who are just running routes as much as possible and not really wasting time blocking. Well, I, you don't want the guy blocking necessarily, but you want him to have a complimentary enough skill set that he gets on the field. No, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's when I say I'm concerned, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, is he going to be a bit player where he's part-time or can he actually be a full-time tight end? Or he's just like early career Evan Ingram, who is just like, so, and we talk about as this, like Ingram is yeah. yoked though. That no, dude is no, a no, wide course, base. He's yeah. actually a much better run blocker. He gets credit than he gets credit for. Or, or Mike Mike Jasicki, who is just glorified big slot, not blocking at all. He just wasn't good. Low T Mike, you mean? I'm oh, sorry. Did I say yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, what is it? What was your 
My, uh, Will Mallory last year, my comp for him was Mike Gesicki with a nutsack. Oh, uh, that's one of my favorite comps of all time. He he was a big uh, star of last year's senior bowl to me. Yeah. Um. All right. Any other wide receivers you want to? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Uh, there's one I want to talk about. Xavier Liggett, uh, South Carolina guy. Loved his tape. I trashed him yesterday. I thought he had a horrible day of practice. In my, what, five-plus years of coming down here now, Scott, I have never seen a receiver, or any player for that matter, have the bounce back day that he had today. Like he went from, I thought one of the worst players in the field yesterday to one of the best today, polar opposites. I'm not sure if maybe he was not understanding the playbook. If he was hurt, something was going on yesterday. He was distracted. I'm not sure. He looked awful today. He looked amazing. Everything he was doing today was working, whether it was his route running a lot more detail and nuance, what he was doing, sinking those hips, exploding out of his breaks, all that stuff. He just looked so much better. I don't think he generated an inch of separation on a single rep yesterday. And today he was getting open. And if he wasn't open, he was winning at the catch point. I mean, it was it was truly an awesome day. He was one of the only receivers on 11 on 11 that actually like made plays downfield. Everyone, everyone else was completely shut out. Was there any other wide receiver you wanted to hit on? Um yeah, no. let, yeah, let's not let's not force it if it's not there. Uh it is also important to to note that that Johnny Wilson was with the wide receivers today today. We haven't seen him take a rep with the tight ends, right? That is true. Um and let's let's not force anything with the tight ends either. No one really there, There's one I can talk about. Uh uh Ben Sino or Sinat from Kansas State. Um two days in a row now, he's impressed me. I thought he he finished yesterday on a low note in the, during the call-outs to end the practice. He got a 1v1 opportunity, got open, dropped the ball. That aside, he's been awesome. Uh, generating separation, really fluid mover. I'm not going to say he's an elite athlete. I don't think he's an elite athlete. He doesn't look elite, and I know you and I both value that in tight ends. But as far as like for a crummy group of tight ends, he's definitely been the best guy by far. Yeah, so when you're saying that, is that – colored by your very low expectations heading into it like what so, are you yeah about? Like a little three? bit so when you look at a guy like luke luke schoonmaker who was a standout last year yeah. i think sinos having that level of senior bowl practice and schoonmaker was a second round pick now he was overdrafted by like two rounds but um you know i i think sino could get himself into like a, a late day two early day three conversation yeah I, i'm hearing so. like future tight end two, not really a fantasy difference maker but We'll yeah, see. if he gets Schoonmaker Capital, though, you'll you'll change your mind on that. Yeah, I really yeah. thought Will Mallory was the best, the most impressive, or at least maybe just from a fantasy perspective, like just his movement skills, his yeah. his, his ball skills were not good. A lot of, lot of ugly drops. No, yeah, he, he's a yak explosion guy. off yeah, the line. Explosive yak guy, route runner, basically a wide receiver in a tight end body. Okay, let's let's talk about um, non skill position players uh, who stood out most to you. And I'm guessing it's uh, the DB Q starts with a Q. Yeah, Kenyon Mitchell from Toledo. Yeah, you know, I don't, you know, probably haven't done enough work on some of the non-skill guys that really get into depth on them because um, we have been watching mostly skill players since we are kind of fantasy driven. But but we will have that draft guide. Oh, yeah, the prospect guide. Yeah, I'll still get to all of them. It's just kind of have to prioritize the the workflow here. And But, yeah, Kenyon Mitchell, cornerback Toledo, I think he's going to be a top 20 pick. I so like low key was watching him a couple weeks ago, kind of looking at who my Detroit Lions might be looking at at the back end of the first round because they need a corner. Obviously, second I watched the guy I fall in love, I was like, Oh my god, the Lions got to do whatever they can to get this dude. He ain't going to be there though, he's going to be long gone. So, 
but he looks awesome. He was locking on everybody today. There was another corner that really stood out to me. It was um, – oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. Was it John's boy, Max Melton? No, I do like Max, though. Max's tape is pretty good. I know – Fellow Rutgers alum. Yeah, I know he didn't have the best year. Oh, Carlton Johnson, Fresno State corner. Small school guy, you don't expect him to be able to hang with the big dogs, the SEC receivers that are here. He was – I mean, he actually locked down McConkie a couple times. Wow. Those really bad reps of McConkie were like, oh, dang, he just got shut out. That was Fresno State kid. So, uh, big, big tip of the cap to him. He's he's showing out. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about, maybe we got it out, um, the little bit of drama that occurred yesterday. You were telling me uh, it looked like a player locked up round one draft capital that wasn't expected and he bowed out of the senior bowl early. Yeah. I still haven't figured out who it is. I thought it was the Western Michigan edge, Mm -hmm. but anyways, Nagy kind of talked about on our, on a radio spot where he was like, you know, he he was kind of poking fun at the fact like Daniel Jeremiah drops the top 50. Then this kid's agents calling me, telling me he can't participate in senior bowl anymore. I thought it was a Western Michigan kid because he was on nobody's radar and then DJ drops that top 50. He's on it. Not only that, he's 270 pounds and hit 20 miles an hour yesterday. Crazy. Running. Like, the dude's a freak specimen. Um, I thought it was him, but he was there practicing today. And he actually – I think he got a sack on the quarterback. So Yeah, maybe maybe uh, it was about him, but the, he had second yeah. thoughts, came back. Yeah, maybe maybe Nagy talked him out of dropping out. Right. So. Well, that we saw that happen last year where uh, – Puka left day one. We thought it was because of that, but actually he picked up a concussion. But that yeah. did happen to Jaden Reed Jay, last year. Yeah, Jaden Reed. And this happened. This has happened every year. Some get the call while they're at Senior Bowl, like, hey, you're probably going to go in the in top 40, top 50 range. And then it's like, you can't really improve your draft stock. And that's ultimately why you're there. So, like, why risk yourself? To Jaden's credit, he did still participate in the one on ones and the seven on seven drills, did, didn't do any team activity. Uh, like t- by team drills, I mean the eleven on eleven, and didn't participate in the game. But um, yeah, that he definitely shut it down to kind of avoid injury once he got the the call there. But yep. All right, let's get out of here. We've been doing thirty seven minutes. Club with the, uh, no, we're we're not doing that. You know, my wife listens to this podcast, Scott, <laughs> and you're you're gonna give her a heart some, attack. Yeah, yeah, some no. some hard tremors there. Just but, kidding, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, 37 minutes of draft content. We will be back tomorrow or Friday. I'm not sure yet with the flights and how all that's going on, but we'll be back with some more content. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of every day, or maybe last listen, depending on when it comes out, but, um, check out the site fantasypoints.com. I'm going to have my, uh, updated practice notes. Also data.fantasypoints.com. Still time to get in on that before things get crazy. All right. For Brett Whitefield. For Scott Barrett. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.